Okay. Hello. You start it. Oh, or hello. <laughs> Welcome to Echo Online. Discover a life-giving local church where you'll find the community and the support that you have been looking for. Join us for our services at Mayo High School on Sundays at 9.15 or 10.45. We're eager to meet you and extend a warm welcome to the Echo Church family. Mm. At Echo, we hope you'll find your place, experience a true sense of belonging. We hope you'll find your people, building friendships and finding support. But most importantly, at Echo, we want to help you discover your unique purpose in life. We believe that this is what we're all seeking and we can't wait to share it with you. Mm -hmm. As always, check out the Echo Weekly email to see what's happening at Echo. When was the last time you invested into the church? Seriously, when did you last promise or prioritize worshiping God with your finances? The Bible teaches us that it's not about the amount, but about the heart and being obedient to God's word and instructions. So we invite you to dig deep into those metaphorical pockets Head over to our website or Venmo us at We Are the Echo Church. Enjoy Echo Online Service. You gave your life for mine. Nailed to the cross, you crucified all my sin and shame. It's washed by your mercy. You are the treasure.
voices to the king. Raise your song. of the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. So I don't know if you guys really realize what's going on right now, but the presence of the Lord is, is with us right now. He's inhabiting the praises of his people. 
Whether you know it or not, you are his people. You belong to Jesus. You've been bought with a price. And that's the blood of Jesus. So Father, I just pray over everybody in this room, Jesus, that they would know who they are and whose they are. And what price was paid for their life so that we can spend eternity with the King in heaven. And that's a free gift for everyone. And Father, the the byproduct of receiving you as our Savior is that all the weight, all the burdens, all the pain, all the lies, all the shame has to fall at the name of Jesus. The finished work of the cross. So Father, we lay it down at your feet. Humbly we stand before you, Father in all of your goodness. Father, we love you so much. We come to you and we pray to you in the mighty name of King Jesus. all of you. It's going to be great. My name is Christy. I am one of the lead pastors here at Echo, and I have the honor and privilege of speaking to you today as we continue into the series that we've been in called The Good Life. Say The Good Life. So we've been going through the book of First John, and it's been a couple weeks since we are going through the context, like we're going word for word. That's our goal here this summer. And so this week, as Andy and I were talking, my husband, I was like, hey, where were we? Where did you leave off? And then I started to read the scripture that I am assigned to, and I was like, Lord, no, I don't want to do it, but here we are, and I'm going to do it. Why is it, Lord, no? Because it's heavy, it's real. And I immediately felt a responsibility and a conviction and things sometimes we just want to avoid, right? So I'm just going to tell you, buckle up, because I think this is a message that we need to hear. I actually know it's a message that God's calling us to. He's calling us to more. And so last night when I went to bed, I typically leading up to a mess when I'm speaking, I don't, I'm not the funnest, like the most fun person to be around. And I tend to be a little stressed and um, my head is just, my mind is constantly on the message. I'm meditating on the word and I'm just like, I feel like I'm there, but I'm not really there. And so last night I went to bed, I attempted to go to bed. I was so tired and I was like, okay, I need a melatonin. And I laid down, took a melatonin and I could not fall asleep. And every time I would like turn or I was moving my body or I was being woken up, this song kept coming into my head. Have you guys ever had a song that's in your head and it will not leave? And it was My Lighthouse. Does anyone know it? If you were a parent in the room and your kid went to Camp Victory, your child's probably playing it. And so I was just like, gosh, this song is so annoying. I hear it all the time. Our six-year-old loves it. It's her favorite. And now it will not leave my head. And so I woke up this morning, finally, like jumped out of bed. I actually jumped out. That's a, win- that's a miracle. And went and made some coffee. And I'm sitting and I'm just like actually in my salon in the basement of our house and the sun's pouring in, and I'm thinking about the lyrics to the lighthouse, and I just felt God say, like, there's purpose in this, Christy, pay attention. And so why I bring this up is I immediately started thinking about music. Music's powerful, right? And we all have songs that remind us of something, or maybe you have a favorite song right now, or it's been significant in your life. And I always joke, because I feel like I have the play, like the play, like, list, the soundtrack of Christy Unedited, which we're not going to discuss today. And then I have like Christy Loves Jesus playlist, okay? You know, unedited, like I grew up loving Wham. Any Wham fans? 80s, baby. I remember Road Trip wanting that to be on the radio the whole time when I was like five. And then I loved like Puff Daddy, Mace, like went to their concert, my favorite, and some other artists I will not mention. So that's like unedited Christy. But I started thinking about music when it comes to the different stages of life in my faith. And me being a mom of three girls, I immediately was brought to the song that I just would sing over them like it was sung over to me as a little girl, and it's Jesus Loves Me. 
And when they were little babies, holding them, and we'd have these songs that we would repeatedly sing. Some of you are maybe even in that season. And sometimes you're like, why is this the song we pick to sing to our kid every night, right? But it's just songs that we typically know. Um, And for Jesus Loves Me, it's a song that was like in my heart since I was a little girl in Sunday school class. And it's Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, if you know the words, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is. Yes, Jesus Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. The Bible tells me so. And I was looking at thinking of those words and I was writing them down this morning. And I'm just, that's what we do when we're little children. We're speaking that over or we're learning. Jesus loves me. I'm forgiven. I am weak, but he makes me strong. And then I started thinking of our six-year-old, like I mentioned, with the My Light, the Lighthouse, which is Rend Collective, if you've heard of it. And it's a song and the lyrics are, my lighthouse, my lighthouse, shining in the darkness, I will follow you, my lighthouse, my lighthouse. I will trust the promise, you will carry me safe to shore, safe to shore, safe to shore. And when I think about those words, my little six-year-old telling Ziggy, as we call her Alexa, because it was Echo and that was a sitch in our house. And so she's always like, Ziggy. Play Lighthouse, and it's playing on repeat, but just even thinking of where she's at in her faith of saying, God, you're my lighthouse, and I trust your promises. And then I was brought to my older two girls who are almost 11 and 13, and Andy and I came up with this grand idea that we attempt to stick to for parenting our girls on wanting technology. So when they want to go on tech, i.e., you know, like FaceTime, text message, or whatever, you know, they're making playlists on Spotify, things like that. We bribe them, okay? So parents, this is a good trick. We say you need to, every minute you play an instrument, you get a minute of tech. And they just love this rule. And so we're like, take a guitar, take a piano, let's learn. And so my daughter, two years ago, my oldest daughter, we were like, pick a song that you want to learn. What's your favorite worship song? And a song that's been on repeat in our house for the past couple years is by Elevation. It's called Available. And we actually sing it here at Echo. And I just love these words that my 13-year-old is believing and meditating on. And it's narrow as the road may seem. I'll follow where your spirit leads. Broken as my life may be, I will give you every piece. I hear your call. I am available. I say, yes, Lord, I am available. Here I am with open hands, counting on your grace again. Less of me and more of you. I hear you call. I am available. And just thinking about that and how she's at this point in her faith, of the words are getting a little more poetic, a little deeper because she's growing, she's maturing. And then thinking about me as a young adult, an adult of songs that have really impacted my life. And there's this song, if I were to like, like even just categorize the section of when I found Jesus and I was living for him is, it's by Vineyard, this dates me, and I had the CD and it's, this is the air I breathe. And I remember listening to the CD on repeat, and it's, this is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me. This is my daily bread, your very words spoken to me. I am desperate for you, and I am lost without you. And when I hear those words, I am brought back to listening to it when I was clinging to Jesus. We love you, Malachi, so much. Seriously, love him. Miracles. Um, but I remember listening to the words of this, this is the air I breathe. And throughout the years, every time I listen to it, it's just that song that brings me back. And sometimes I think there's a lot of power in us going back to when we found Jesus, to bringing us back to God, this is the air I breathe. And I know for me, why was that song so significant is because I wanted God to overtake my life. I gave him permission in, and my identity was changed. And so as we grow, our, our taste changes. The things we like change. The music you listen to changes. And when I look at the book of 1 John chapter 2, we're going to start, we're going to break this down into two sections today. So we're going to start with verses 12 through 15. And what they're writing here is it's a breakdown of different stages that you're in and what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. So I'm going to read 12 through 15. It says, I am writing to you, dear children, Because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name, I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men or young women, because you have overcome the evil one. Circle overcome. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. 
I write to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men, young women, because you are strong. And the word of God lives inside you. Or I like to think about it as the word of God is your anchor. And you have overcome the evil one. And so we're going to spend a lot of time here just breaking this down and where I can give hopefully a little clarity to you. But when I see this scripture, there's five statements of truth that stand out to me. And when I think of the statements, I think of them as confessions. A lot of times we view confession as negative, right? We're coming to God with our sin or you're coming to him with our struggles. Confessing also is confessing truth and confessing what God says and speaks over us. And so the five statements are, I am forgiven, if you want to write it down. I can know God, or I can know the Father. I am strong when in relationship with God. And the word anchors me. And then last is, I will overcome. And so even right now in this moment, maybe one of these statements is speaking to you and like, oh, I need, I need forgiveness. Or I don't know God. Or I've never really felt like the word anchors me. Or maybe today you're coming with your brokenness and your shame and you feel like you can't overcome. But I am here today to tell you you can. And so in this very moment, I just want to pray these things over you so you can just close your eyes. God, we just come to you and I just give you the next few minutes that it's not my words, it's yours. And I just pray for truth. God, I pray that right now in this very moment that you can gently whisper and encourage people in this place that they are here with a purpose, God. I thank you for being a forgiving God. Forgiving God, I thank you for calling us by name and giving us a new identity. I thank you for giving us a life where we can be in relationship with you and our lives can be transformed. In this world, God, I pray for victory in this moment. In your name, amen. And so I simply ask you right now is where are you? How are you doing? Did you walk in this place feeling like you're living a transformed life? You see, when you look at scripture, God asks us these things. He wants us to say, okay, what is this saying? What is he saying here? Like, what does it mean? And what is it saying to me? And so we're going to break this down and hopefully it will give you a better understanding of why it's repetitive. There is purpose in the repetition. There's purpose in identifying each category of a person. But first off, we're going to start with our identity in Christ. When we are a Christ follower, when you have surrendered your life, it simply invites us into living a life where we are forgiven. And for some of you here right now, it's accepting the forgiveness that God has. And you're like, well, how do I do that, Christy? All you have to do is go to the cross. It's even here at Echo, we say this prayer every single week. We call it the surrender prayer. And the first line is, I surrender. And so it's coming to God and saying, God, I give, you, I give you my life. I give you my weakness. I give you my sin. I give you my fear, my doubt. God, take over my life. And when I think about being and knowing who our identity is, is that things start changing. Things that maybe you used to be okay with aren't okay anymore. And it's us being called to dwelling with him, in him, and knowing who our identity is. And a lot of times I look around and I just think that we don't believe that. And even when I think of being a mom, it's, we want that for other people, but we don't accept the invitation that God's calling us with his open hand saying, Christy, there's more. Christy, you can have a new identity. And so how do we ask for forgiveness? We just, we just say, God, I confess, and you are my God, and I am here right now. If there's anything that I have learned through the years is that my identity in Christ will never change. It is the one thing that I can take with me every single day. So often we put things that are temporary in front of our identity with Christ. So yes, I am a child of God. It can't be lost. But a lot of times we can, you know, maybe it's your career or maybe it's something that you spend your time on or maybe it's even like I'm a mom or I'm a wife or I'm a daughter or I have all these roles, but those things can come and go, and there's not a guarantee. And so often when we lose that, then we lose who we are. And so it's just saying, God, I'm going to rearrange my life, and I am a child first. 
And why, why is that so important is because it is our compass. I always, I love like direction and I just think about our eternal compass or our compass in our heart is it points us to him. It points us north. It gives us clarity. It gives us purpose. It shows and guides me where to go. And it also grounds us. You know, when I gave my life to the Lord, I grew up in a Christian home. I've shared it a lot. But when I was 18, I walked into a space and I didn't even know what I was looking for, but I walked out. Like, I I joke that I went in for pizza, but I found God instead. I ate some pizza, too. But it was this moment of, oh, my word, my life, like, everything is different now. And when I look back to that moment of transformation where I surrendered and I audibly said, God, I need you and I give you permission, is my life started changing. The things that I liked and enjoyed started changing. And I don't find it ironic, but when I looked up my name meaning, back in the day, like when I was in college, you know, pre-Google, I had a name book, like I was at a library and I looked it up, or probably Barnes and Noble, and I looked up my name and it's Christy, as you know, and it's Christ with a Y. I always joke is how it's spelled, but it means Christ follower. My mom and dad didn't name me because, oh, Christ follower, yeah, let's do it. You know, they named me because they thought it was a pretty name and it spoke to them. But when I learned that about myself, it was this identity that I was carrying is like, I am called to follow him. And so maybe you walked in here one way today, but you are craving and desiring and seeking God to walk out in a new way. And that's what we believe for you in this moment. Is because in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and this is a verse that I clung to in my early years in faith, as this means that everyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has become begun. So it just means no more numbing, no more getting by. I remember when I gave my life to Christ and then I would go back and I'd hang out with friends that didn't really understand what was going on, you know, like probably thought I was cuckoo for Jesus and a little crazy. And even just being a college student with trying to have high moral standards, I remember my friends like probably thinking it was really like serious. But I remember being put in environments that never bothered me before, but all of a sudden I was like, I just, I, I can't be here right now. Like, I can love you and we can get together, but I can't be at this party or I can't be here. And it's because God started changing my identity. And I was in this moment too, where when I look at children in the scripture here, is we are called to be born again, to allow God to wash away the old. God's forgiveness is the doorway to, forg- to a new life where we embrace the truth that we are his beloved children. In 1 John 2, 12, it says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins have been forgiven. And when I look at this in the scripture, there's four categories that stand out to me. And it's even looking and going, this is who I am right now. Do you feel like you're a child in the faith, learning to walk, learning to speak, You know, one thing I love about kids is the innocence. You know, there's just an innocence to it of just, it's almost like God simplifies it. And it's like, this is the way, the truth, and the life, right? The world wants to complicate it, but it's us receiving that gift. It's for you. In Romans 8, 16, it says, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit and we are God's children. And so if you feel like you're a child right now, I just want to say that we are here for you and we congratulate you. Let's be a church that rallies around the children. Yes, we have physical kids here, but maybe you feel like you're a child and let's not cause shame. Let's embrace each other. Let's help each other. And then it goes on into um, chapter 2, 13. It says, I'm writing to you fathers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men or young women because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. And if you break that down and you look at the word children, it just means a young child. So they're learning, they're growing. Think back, if you are, have you, you've been serving God for a long time, think of who you were when you first came to Christ. How are those stories for you? <laughs> like, I just immediately am like, Lord, thank you, there was no social media. Like, I was struggling, and I could just struggle around my people, but not for the world to see, right? Amen. But it's because I look different, I feel different, I walk it out different 24 years later. And that's what we're called to. And sometimes it feels like we're on a merry-go-round and we're just stuck in this season. But God's calling you to the next phase. God's calling you to walk it out, to live it out. And in order to do that, I love just even saying this, is you need to break down in order to break out. 
And what does that mean? Like, maybe you need to have a breakdown. Maybe you need to break down, like, this is what I'm struggling with, and, like, unpack it in a safe place. Or maybe it's sitting with a counselor or talking to a pastor or talking to a safe friend. But God's calling us to break it down so we can break out, to break out in freedom. Because he wants to refine you, he wants to shape you, and he wants to lead you. But being kids does not give us permission to act like babies. Anyone act like babies ever? I know I do. I can have my little adult temper tantrum. You know, and then we naturally are called to progress into the next season, which is young men or young women. And the Greek word for this is neos, which just simply means new. And I love seeing our youth, and even last hour seeing the youth in here, they just got back from camp, our high schoolers. And there is a strength that God has given you in this season for a purpose. Y'all have more energy than I could dream of at this point. I want it, I desire it, but there's like God's given you this fight. God's given you permission to overcome the battle and you are better together, amen? And so when I think about me when I was young, like I could run like nobody's business. Like I wasn't like a professional runner by any means. I didn't win any medals, but I could still run a mile. Anyone in here who can't run a mile anymore or struggle? I'm the only one, cool. Thank you, honest people, thank you. But I just remember like, Chrissy, do this. Oh yeah, no problem. Or I could, like I joke, I could sleep anywhere. Like I could sleep on the floor. I could sleep on horrific like futons. And now like Christy at age 41, give me all the things. Anyone, Tempur-Pedic, $200 pillow for my migraines, like an eye pillow. Like I am just not as robust as I used to be. And I make these jokes, but it's just saying I am healthy just because of my age. And that you're called to be, to not take advantage of your youth by saying like, well, I can, I can just jump back faster, but really staying true to what God's calling you to. And guess what, church? We can learn from the younger generation. When I'm around new believers or I'm around teenagers, like I am telling you, for 15 years in youth ministry, I always said, they remind me how old I am and they keep me young. And that's what parenting is too, is but I love hearing the fresh stories and what God's doing because it gives me a craving for wanting that in my life still. It's not supposed to be in the past, it's supposed to be in the present. And so are you walking out that forgiveness? Are you believing that you are forgiven young people? And then moving on to the fathers and the mothers and you're like, well, I'm not a mom or I'm not a dad. But it's, it's what that word, it means is patter, which is described to be oldened older or seasoned. So just like we're seasoned. What's that mean? We're mature, right? Adults, very mature, super mature. But it's this responsibility of like God's calling me to grow up. The goal is not just to get older. Like I'm turning another number this in the next week, barf. And I'm like, okay, that's not it. But I am going to carry this because I'm growing up. God's calling me to more. And so it's looking at it, and even for us in our faith, is like there's something really beautiful about being older and wiser and seasoned because we're called to continue to grow, to, to be a student. You know, Andy loves to remind me sometimes when we're parenting or I'm just in a bad mood, which never happens, and he's just like, who's the adult here? That's really a good comment to say to your wife, by the way. Like, Christy, you're the adult, like act like it. And I'm, you know, just respond super like Christian, like, thank you so much for that reminder. Right. <laughs> but it's because he's calling me to more and I've given Andy permission to speak into my life. It may take me a little bit to come around, but it's saying like, no, I am called to be mature. So it's looking right now and saying, where are you at? What stage are you in, in your faith journey? You know, if you are a new believer, there's nothing better than sharing your story that's my challenge for you. You're learning to walk. It doesn't even make sense, maybe what happened in your life in this past season. Or you're here today for the first time, or you've been coming every week, and you're like, this is weird. I still don't know what this is. Like, this is uncomfortable. You know, and I was there. I remember. I didn't grow up going to a church where people raised their hands and people, like, sang contemporary music. I mean, I was just like, this is all weird. But I kept going back because I'm like, it's weird, but it's good. And maybe that's you, but it's just saying, God, I want to know you more, and I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to understand you. Or maybe second st stage is you're, you feel like a child, that's you're past the new believer stage, but you're a child. And in that, I just want to say, give people permission in your life to speak wisdom, to mentor you, to guide you, 
to nurture you. I love the word nurture. Church, we are not called to be people that's crossing our arms, judging each other. Like, we can't expect children to know what's right. I am having to teach my kids, guide them in how to ask for forgiveness and how to apologize. It doesn't just, it's not a snap of the fingers, right? They need mom to guide them like, hey, this is wrong. This is why it's wrong. And to walk them through without judgment. And so instead of us, like we can easily, we can see things, especially in the world we live in. We see how people are living or what they're not doing or what they are doing and like who they're with and how they're dressing and why are they doing that. But like, instead of judging, let's encourage and let's not just slap the Christian band-aid, like praying for you if you notice something's off, but truly walking up to them like, are you okay? Do you need anything? I don't know about you, but I want people to run in this place on Sundays because they need to rely heavily on him because we were called to overcome. And the third stage is that young adult and the adolescent stage, which I brought up. And I just believe right now in all of my heart that God is saying it's time to overcome. You are living in a battle. School is hard. The young adult years are hard. You're having to grow up. You're having to mature. You're having so much on your plate of like, well, if I don't do it, who's gonna do it? And I just think even of just allowing God to teach you, to guide you, to allow you to overcome. And how can you do that? It's giving people permission to speak into your life. And I do think, I look around this room and so often, well, I'm not a pastor or God's not, that's not my title, that's not my position, but we are called church to be spiritual parents to others. We are called to guide and to nurture and to show people through guidance and support and opening our homes and opening our doors and just walking alongside them to be spiritual parents to them. And how do we do that? We demonstrate love, we show love, we live it out. And then the last category is elders. Elders is a word that's used a lot in church and church like language would be more of like you have an elder board. And here at Echo, we have a board of directors and our elders, they're, they're seasoned believers, but they are people that we've given permission to speak into our life. Annie and I don't wanna be here on our own. It's not, you, you don't reach this point in our faith where we're like, well, this is the highest level I can go. It's not about that. It's saying in humility, like, no, I need people to discern, to carry the load, to pray, to offer their insight, and to give people in, opportunity and permission to give me insight. And so it's saying, when's the last time you let someone correct you? When's the last time you showed someone what you're struggling with? And I think we can easily get in a position, too, where we're saying, well, okay, God, if they come up to me and they ask it in the perfect way, I'm going to tell them. Or they haven't asked, so I'm going to wait for them to initiate. But maybe it's us initiating today and saying, no, I need help. Because this is a reminder that we are called to overcome. We are called to conquer the evil one. What is the evil one? The evil one is the devil. And we don't like talking about it a lot, but there is a dark world. And we live in a world where there is a war going on. And what does the devil want to do? He wants to lure you. He wants to tempt you. He wants you to continue going back to your old ways. He wants to tell you, like, you're just being too serious. They're never going to understand. Your Christian friends are the ones that are going to judge you the quickest. I remember when I was really struggling with drinking. And I didn't have this, like, I wasn't getting drunk every day. It was not, I, didn't, I wouldn't say it was an addiction. But it was something that I felt like God was, like, putting in front of me and saying, Christy, deal with this. And for me, it was because I couldn't have one drink. Every time I drank, it would turn into, I was drunk really fast because I was a lightweight. And then I, you know, you lose your memory and then I would be stupid and make stupid decisions. And my friends thought it was really entertaining because I was funny, you know? And so it was like the next day of the recap. And I just remember like this disgusting wheel that I was struggling with. And it was a pretty short season of my life, but it really impacted me. And I remember being at this point where I was like, okay, God, like actually drunk listening to the song lyrics that I shared earlier, repenting and saying, this is not me. But it was me listening to the Holy Spirit and saying, you gotta step away. I just was playing the game like there was a line and I just kept going back to old Christy and new Christy. And for me, what alcohol brought on was things that were out of character for me. And maybe you're sitting here and you're like, well, it's not alcohol for me, but what is it? It's saying, God, what is this? And even just transitioning, when you look at the second half of this scripture, the whole premise is, okay, so now we know who we are. We're called to overcome. 
There is this dark world, and we are not to love the world, which is hard stuff. And I want to read 15 through 17 to you. And it says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, I want you to underline, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but of the world. From the world, the world and its desires will pass away. It means they will fade away. They are not here to stay. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. I love the translation where God remains forever. He remains in in us no matter what. What does this context mean? When I read it, I see, be careful what you love. What are you putting before God? Because where your treasure is, there will also be your heart. What's the opposite? Where your heart is, there will be your treasure. So let's not lay our treasures up. I also like even just thinking about this is when you read the message version, it says the love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. I just like that translation. So when you break it down, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because if we're not careful, the things of this world start being our inner driver. They start giving, like, they start leading us before we're allowing God to lead us. And so it's looking at even the three categories that I told you to underline is for, the wor- for all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, or I like to say like desires of your body. Number two, desires of your eyes. What are you seeing? And then the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. So what this is talking about is just Think about the things that captivate you or grab you. What's the things that you are like naturally prone for that instant gratification? What are you grabbing your phone and doing on your phone? When you turn on the TV, what are you watching? When you have a free night, what do you want to do? When you've had a really hard day, what do you want to grab? Because there's two different pulls going on. There's the system where it's the kingdom system, which is God's calling us to eternal life knowing our identity to walk it out no matter what. And then there's Satan's world system, like, hey, you got some time. Hey, I can captivate you right now with this because you, like, you're having this bad day. What if you do this? And so when I think of desires of the flesh, it's a simple phrase. If you want it, get it. If you want her, go get her. It's lust. It's justifying our actions. It's that excessive desire or indulgence. And I think about when we're younger, we just want, we don't have self-control. So we want to over, maybe overeat, or maybe it's overdrink, or we crave touch or comfort. It's luxury over knowing him. And I'm not here today to cause a lot of shame, but it's bringing to God what is something that you have been lusting after? What is something that physically takes over for you? For me, and you may like think, oh, Christy, but like I love eating late at night. It's just stupid. I love, I love top the tater and potato chips. <laughs> I love ice cream that I try to hide under stuff so my kids don't see it. They always do now. You know, or maybe it's like you're really lonely. What books are you reading? Are you trying to fill your life with like a book that's giving you comfort? What are you trying to fill that hole? Or maybe it's who are you sleeping next to at night? Or maybe you don't have friends in real life, so who are you like putting yourself out there for in the world? And I know these are big things, but these are the things that the enemy wants to lure you in and say you deserve it. Desire of the eyes or lust of the eyes. Simple phrase, if you see it and want it, get it. Because you deserve it. Wouldn't you say that's the motto of this world? You deserve it. It's because our minds crave worldly extravagances. Our eyes, our ears strain for applause. Maybe you want accolades or attention or you want certain people to see what you're doing. So it's just that grabbing on. Maybe it's materialism, longing for wealth, status, anything that catches your eye or creates a sense of want, like wanting or envy. Want to know when I've envied? Just last night, driving home. We live by Scott and Jamie and all the teens, I love you, we're over, all the teens, a lot of teens, there's 87 cars in their driveway. And I'm driving my, I don't even know what year my minivan is, it's old, the doors don't work, there's like wires hanging out, like it's just a sitch, okay? It's like cast cars are always fun. And I'm driving my minivan and I see Bronco and I see a Jeep and I see these pretty cars and I'm like, Lord, 
These teenagers have nicer cars than me. I deserve a better car, God. Like, can't I just get a nice car? Can't we get a car payment, Andy, please? Like, and I'm just having this moment. And some of you, you know who your, your cars, they're pretty. And maybe the mom and dad are letting you drive them, but I'm still like, I want your mom and dad. Like, give me your car. You know, but I'm, and I'm making light of this, but it captivated me. Like, I was annoyed. Nine houses, I was like, God, give, I give you my life. Texting them something about, like, nice cars. Like, you know, and maybe it's just something else, or maybe you're addicted to, like, getting to the next level. Will they pay attention to me? Or it's achievements. I'm an Enneagram 3, so it's just that achievement. But God wants you to look after him. It's not, I can't take a Bronco to heaven. Like, it would be fun to cruise on up, but that's just not the way it works. Am I right? Anyone like cars? I bring them up a lot. I love them. And lastly is your pride of life. Are you too prideful to let someone in? Or to say, I can't do this anymore. When I think of pride of life, it's if you believe it, if you believe it will improve you in your temporary life, get it. It will improve your status, ego, or ranking. Your eyes want the treasures, the positions, and the delights. That's the way the world tells us to live. But instead, let's anchor ourselves in Jesus. So I had to go to Jesus and say, God, I know what's right. I know what's real. God wants us to guard the pride of life instead of cultivate community. Instead, we need to cultivate community, recognizing that everything we have is a gift from him. It's being grateful for what he's given you. It's not looking at what so-and-so has and what so-and-so doesn't have, but it's looking at what God's given you. Because in verse 17, it says, the world is passing away, which means fading, along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God remains forever. So it's that middle tension of the system that's unsustainable and saying like, this is what I want, but God, I give you this. And for me, I even like categorizing it in two sections. It's worldly values and eternal values. Which one has your attention more? Worldly values are everything that I just went through. God's calling us to focus on eternal values. Eternal values are principles and virtuals that are godly, that have lasting significance, and that are not temporary. Are you walking out? There's a list that will go on the screen. Do you carry love with you? Do you live a life of holiness and that's set apart? Are you being obedient to him? Do you have faith to pass, like, pass any situation you're going through? Are you accepting the forgiveness and are you, accepting, are you forgiving others around you? Humility, compassion. Are you generous with your time, your finances? Are you putting your trust in him? And I just think these are examples that highlight what matters. It reflects his character, not the world's. Because at the end of the day, this whole context of scripture, it's going and saying where we are, but it's reminding us that we cannot fill a spiritual void on physical things. So why do we try? What pain are you bringing here today? You know, I, get, I struggle with migraines really bad. And a couple weeks ago, I had one for eight days. I was in bed for three of the eight days, and I violently sick. And I just was laying in bed, and I just was, felt like God was like, Christy, this physical pain that you're experiencing right now is a reminder that you need to be healed in this area. You know, when I bring up migraines as an example, but what is an area that God's bringing to the surface right now saying you still need to be healed in this area? Because God's calling us to more. He wants us to live a life of integrity. Band, you can come up as I close. And maybe today it's you saying, this is where I'm at. This is what I need to give you. Have you ever written down a list or created a list of the do's and don'ts for your life? And it's not about works. That's not what I'm talking about. But the things that you are not going to step back into, but what you're going to step into. Are you walking it out where you believe it? What is God calling you to in this moment? What is he asking you to surrender in this moment? John Mark Comer says this, sometimes a calling is staring us in the face. All we need to do is make eye contact. Right now is about us looking into God. It's about us having a heart check or a God check. It's saying not only what's important to me right now, but what's most important to him. Because he's calling us to carry that with him every single day, with us every single day. And how do we do that? It's by walking out and saying, I have moral authority. Is that I'm not going to compromise anymore what God's calling me to. 
It's admitting that I need help. And so Echo, I would just love it even right now. You can stand up with me and I'm just gonna pray this with you. And you can even take a picture of this. This is a very simple prayer. Andy Stanley, I was listening to him and he was talking how he prays this over his kids. And I just thought this was profound for us in this moment. And it says this, Lord, give me the wisdom to know what is right and the courage to do what is right, even when it gets hard. Because life is gonna be hard. When you guys go back to school this fall, it's gonna be hard. When you go to work tomorrow, it's gonna be hard. When you get home and it's chaotic and your family goes home with you, it's gonna be hard. When your prayers aren't being answered in the timeline that you want, it's gonna be hard. When you're physically struggling and you're not healed in the way that you've been begging God to heal you, it's gonna be hard. Allow the Holy Spirit to teach you and guide you in this moment. And there's four things that I just want you to even try to focus on in the next week is be committed to reflecting, set time aside, make that list, give God where you are, give him your feelings. Second is replace the lies with truth. Even reading the scripture that we read today and then recite the word daily, memorize it, meditate on it, create your own like, I, like a Christy cast word of faith. What am I gonna believe every day? And then recall that truth repeatedly every single day. And I'm just gonna pray that over you right now. Is God, we just come to you right now and we are committed to more. We are committed to knowing and believing that our identity is in you, God. I pray for our lives to, to reflect you. I pray for every st- season and stage represented here at Echo Church, God. I pray that we can rally around each other. We can celebrate the innocence and the curiosity and we can help shepherd and guide. And I just pray right now for this moment, God, for you to call us to more, that we wanna look to heaven and not the world, God. Fill the void, fill the hole, and fill the shame, Jesus. And we just lift this up in your name, amen.
floods came When the wind blew, I was okay You were right there, you're in every step I take When the night falls, when my heart aches If I stumble, I will not break You were right there, you're in every step I take Come on, let's sing that again when the rain fell, when the floods came, and the wind blew, I was okay. You were right there, you're in every step I take. When the night falls, when my heart aches, if I stumble, I will not break. You'll be right there, you're in every step I take. You're my shepherd. question for a second. Does anybody else like a heathen like me that hears Kanye West lyrics every time we talk about the good life? Let's go on a living spree. They say the best things in life are free. Anybody? Nobody? All right, fine. It's just me. Just me. It's all right. Uh, Christy was talking so much about music. It just got me going. I have been thinking about that one idea where she talked about we cannot fill the spiritual holes with like physical stuff. Man, what a wise thought. That is a wise thought. And how often do I try to stuff physical stuff in that spiritual hole? I tell you what, one of the things we do every single week here at Echoes, we say a prayer together. And it's just an opportunity to be reminded that we cannot fill the spiritual holes on our own. And so we're going to trust God. And so this is just a chance to let go a little bit. If you've never said a prayer like this before, I would just want to welcome you. We're all going to say it together. You're not going to be the one. Uh, so would you guys just join me and say uh, this prayer with us? Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, and you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's celebrate with those that said the prayer for the first time, for the first time in a long time. Come on. You know who else we want to celebrate? Those of you that came for the first time today. Thanks for being an Echo. Welcome. <laughs> 